you've landed on the Business Conservatory podcast. This is a transparency-driven podcast helping you understand your unlimited earning potential. If you're ready to crush it with your business, let's go. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. It's just us today. I have been going through this period with my team where we have been really, really diving into our customer experience and our customer journey. And I thought it would be really fun today for us to kind of go through some of the key takeaways that we've had and kind of express some of the things that we've noticed along the way, not just with our company, but with our customers' companies on what you can do as a business owner to really maximize the customer experience. Many of you who are looking for external resources that can kind of move the needle forward in this way. In addition to this podcast, there is a book called Never Lose a Customer Again. Oh my gosh, it is one of the best books. Like, okay, I've listened to a lot of books in my day. In fact, you'd be hard pressed to find me reading any books that aren't like self-help or like business related because it's my favorite genre. But of all the business books that I have read, this one is probably top three for me, all time. Never lose a customer again. Turn any sale into a lifelong loyalty in a hundred days. Written by Joey Coleman. So for those of you who are like eager to dive into this topic and really just wanting to have the best experience for your customers and improve your retention in your business, hint, hint, wink, wink, all of those that have retainer clients or those that maybe have clients that you're performing a service for that you'd like to see come back multiple times, please get that book. It will change your life. But that aside, let's talk about what I've been working on, what I've seen working, and really give you a springboard for improving this for yourself. Now, my team and I have been trying to move the needle forward in all of the businesses. Many of you know my first business, and it's still a business to this day, my photography business, we have worked really hard to kind of make that process automated. And in the process of like automating like our customer emails, I think there's a lot of things that have kind of gotten lost in the shuffle along the way in terms of personalization. And so over the last week, we've really tried to move the needle forward in terms of like, okay, what's what's a way that we can update this experience while also making it juicier for them and make them feel like they're they're getting all of the kind of like energy and good vibes that they would get if I was like attentive 24-7. And so here's what we've been focusing on. And for many of you who don't know, I used Absato. So that's my customer service management software. Many of you use HoneyBook. Whatever your software is, we really want to focus on language and how you structure things. I've had a number of people that have submitted audits to me recently that kind of show me behind the curtain of like what their emails look like. And I'm noticing that in the spirit of automation, personalization and that nice touch, that personal touch often gets lost in the, well, I, you know, I want to make sure it applies to everyone. And what ends up happening is people are sounding too broad. They sound kind of maybe aloof. And in some cases, maybe even more salesy, which as you know, we're not about. So one of the things that we've done is we've kind of pulled back the curtain on, okay, well, what what makes something feel personal? What makes something feel like 
it was made just for them? And how do I phrase that in a way that is not only honest, but like very believable? And I went back and had to look at a lot of kind of my text message conversations. Now, some of you don't do text messages with your customers. I leave that as an option in my inquiry form. Like they can either email me back, they can text me, or we can do a call. And with many, I I would say like 40% like text and kind of prefer the text message route. And I kind of like peel back and look at how I'm talking to people on text message. And isn't it interesting how like just the format of emails sometimes just feels so overly professional, almost like who are we trying to impress by writing an email in a certain way? I made it a goal that everything that I say within like my text messages and even like how I punctuate things, even if it's not technically the correct way of punctuating things, I want it to still have a look and feel using all the same language that I would with my text messages. And what does that look like? That looks like GIFs. That looks like emojis. That looks like me saying, hey guys, what do you think about this? Or asking questions. The things that you do subconsciously as you're interacting with people on text message is exactly the kind of spirit that you want to be evoking within these emails. And for those of you who are like, well, Ellie, like I'm worried that they're not going to take me seriously if I talk this way. Or what if my customers are at a high level and maybe like, maybe they're lawyers, maybe they're doctors, maybe they don't talk that way. I want to encourage you that at the beginning and in the end of the day, all your customers really want is for you to just be yourself at the end of the day. And if they don't want you to be like that, then you might not be a good fit in all seriousness. Because are there people out there that do kind of professional speak, kind of professional lingo in their emails? Yes. Are you someone that's providing a service and, you know, wanting to maintain like a high caliber of professionalism? Yes. But I've seen that the the kind of lens of what professionalism looks like has shifted dramatically to where... If you are a business owner that is running your own business or you have a small company, part of owning a personal brand means it's personal and therefore you need to be able to talk in a way that sounds like you. I want you to think for a sec about someone that you've hired within the last few years where they spoke really professionally to you via email, but then you met them and their energy was explosive or their energy was like totally different than what it was like when when you saw them via email. How jarring was that? And I can think of a time recently where I had hired someone to do contract work for our house. It's specifically the guy that's going to be redoing like my kitchen. And whenever he texted me, it was always very like, my full name's Shelly. Yes, Shelly, I just wanted to let you know our team will be coming in this and this and this day. And it was very like, you know, nothing wrong with it, of course, but it was very professional. And then when he came, he was like, yeah, dude, I don't know, you know, I don't know if this is going to work out. Like it was totally different experience. And, you know, of course you can say like, well, you know, he's a contractor and all this stuff. But like when, when it comes to like your business being a personal brand and you're the face of your business and you are the one that is doing most of the predominant communication and you're not like a like a large company it's really important to navigate your communication in a way that is consistent and congruent with what they can expect from start to finish so if you're the type of person that finds yourself feeling pressure to be like overly professional 
or be like a certain way just to get the respect of people. I want to just encourage you to take a deep breath. No one's going to think less of you if you talk like yourself. And if they do, that's not the kind of energy you need in your business. So, you know, initiative one, I made sure that I talked like I talk. So that way when I showed up and I was saying things like, dude, people wouldn't be like, oh, what? (laughs) That's not what I can expect. Part of being a good business owner is having a congruent experience from start to finish. And how you approach your wording is one aspect of that. So we've been going through all the emails, we've been adding GIFs, we've been adding emojis, we've been like really toning down the language in a very like approachable way that everyone can understand. We also really tried to give our customers the option to feel like they could communicate with us in a way that they were comfortable with. As you heard a few minutes ago, I really make it clear that they can text me, they can call me, they can email me, they can kind of proceed as they want. And for those of you who are like, well, Ellie, I'm I'm a little worried about like kind of what is that going to do overall for my boundaries? Is giving them my cell phone number a permission slip for them to reach me at any time? No, it doesn't. Because all of these things that are part of enhancing a customer experience and making it easy for them are all things that you can communicate boundaries with very early on. And ideally should be respected. If you ask someone, you know, hey, how do you prefer to be communicated with? That is an extension and a level of care that truly extends beyond the working relationship. When you find that your customers feel cared for and feel accommodated, there's going to be a lot of ways where that makes your experience easy for you in the long run. I remember that the first time that I incorporated text messaging, I did not do it the right way. I did it, in fact, the wrong way. And so when I approached the idea again of having text message within it, I kind of experienced the same, ah, like, is, does this mean I'm going to get like texts at, you know, two in the morning? I, I had to take a really good hard look at, okay, if I'm making these touch points really easy for them, what are some ways that I can communicate anything that's a concern of mine early and upfront? So if my fear is that I'm going to be getting messages at 3 a.m., then, you know, the first thing that I need to say in one of my first texts is, you know, hey, I heard you really are excited about communicating via text message. I am 100% game to do that. Just to let you know, just like any other company, you know, my working hours are, let's just say, three to five. You can reach me at any time during those times, and I typically respond within a 24-hour time period. If you do need to reach me sooner, you can always give me a call. But in the meantime, you know, that's kind of the ground rules. And almost everyone, unless you're getting a red flag client, is going to be like, that sounds great. I'm down just to know that you have the option of accommodating them in the first place is going to be enough. And I didn't start applying this correctly until 2021. But for those of you who are kind of on the fence about, well, do I really want to be accommodating? I'm telling you all of the things that you're concerned about happening can always be preemptively tackled. And this goes any direction. It doesn't even have to just do with giving them your cell phone number. I mean, any part of owning a business that you're afraid of is figure outable when you're able to tackle it head on. I'm going to go kind of like side tangent here because I just had a conversation 
with a business owner who was telling me that she was really worried about showing up on her short form video content because she was worried that she was going to come off salesy. And I talked to her, I was like, just talk about that in your content. Say, I'm really worried about my content coming off salesy. And it's for that reason that I wanted to talk to you guys about this. So that way you knew that about me. Anything that you're worried about does not have to have the power over you that it has. And I see too many business owners opting to just completely withdraw altogether on things that could be really moving the needle forward with them just because of what they're afraid of. So this is your sign. I don't care if it's giving your phone number out. I don't care if it's this. Everything is figure outable when you're able to communicate directly up front what the boundaries are. Now, some of you might struggle with those boundaries and that is something that is okay. In fact, I struggle with that too. The first time I tried to implement like the text message boundary of like, hey, these are my working hours. I remember I just like stared, <laughs> I stared at the text before I pressed send because I was just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, they're gonna be like, <laughs> they're gonna think I'm a jerk. No one thinks you're a jerk. I would just really love to see your customers be able to get the experience they deserve. I had a question with a business owner recently on a one-on-one that I had. It was honestly a really good question. It was on the topic of personalization. And she asked me, she was like, Ellie, why is it important to make things personalized for our customers? And for some of you that are sitting there like, well, that's obvious. I don't think we've really actually stopped to think about what personalization actually does. Could we technically give everyone the same experience start to finish and have them enjoy it? Yes. And in some ways, you know, it can be easy to feel like personalization means more work and more hassle if I know that by making everything the same, then everyone is getting the same level of support. If I personalize it, does that mean that I'm playing favorites with some of my customers where some people are getting more, some people are getting less? And I thought that was a really insightful question because at the end of the day, when we're supporting personalization, we are really stepping into the headspace of allowing our customers to get what we call affirmed. The affirming phase allows them to become activated. And when they become activated, not only does it make them more compliant, but it also opens the doors to really furthering the journey of the working relationship. And I'll give an example of this on a personal level. I had a wedding client recently that was interested in my 10-hour package. And that 10-hour package had engagement photos in it. It had 10 hours of coverage. It had a print release. It it just kind of had all of the standard things that you would expect from like an all-in-one package. And if I didn't care about personalization, it would be, this is what you get. And upon really making efforts to personalize that, what that looked like was I specifically had to ask them about their working relationships with their friends and family members. It required me to kind of say, Tell me about the people that are coming to your event and tell me a little bit more about what your experiences are like with with the guests that are coming. And they said, you know, honestly, everyone is flying in. We're having a huge welcome dinner before and we're honestly more excited for that welcome dinner than we are for the actual wedding. And part of personalization for me was not only having the foresight to show interest and like ask deeper questions, but it allowed me to say, how would you feel? about using, instead of using that engagement session, using that as an opportunity to have us cover that welcome dinner. 
it sounds like that's what's important to you. And if that, if you're saying you're more excited about that than the wedding, then why don't we give the opportunity to make this really more tailor-made to the things that you're actually excited about? I could have just not said anything. I could have said, great, this is what you get. Does this sound good? They, they said yes. Like they, they wanted that package. They said that sounded good. And they were down to do an engagement session. But at the end of the day, was the engagement session the thing they were most excited about? No, they just were going to get it just because that's what was included. But if I didn't think to really approach things from a personalized way, that welcome dinner would have never gotten covered and there would be some really tender moments that would have been missed. And so what personalization does is for very little effort, you are able to really highlight and focus around the things that matter to your customer. And what that does long term for you is that means that it increases the opportunities for increased customer lifetime value. Of course, we know that money is not the, at the end of the day, the most important thing. But gosh, does that personalization like really help at the end of the day when it comes to them feeling seen. People that feel seen want to participate in reciprocity. They want to give back in the ways that they felt that you served them. And so what ended up happening was they ended up placing one of the biggest print orders that I've ever had, guess what, on that welcome dinner. That welcome dinner was everything to them. They almost cared about those photos more than anything that they could for the wedding, and they hired me for wedding photography services. So personalization isn't just about making more work for yourself. It's that all of the time that you're going to be spending with them is going to be guaranteed put to good use and create win-win situations for both of you. That question took me 0.5 seconds to ask, and now that I know that that was some, that was a question that allowed me to dive in deeper, that gives me the opportunity to ask the same question to everyone. And so really, at the end of the day, the customer experience still is equalized with everyone, but it created and cultivated paths and opportunities where it really counted for certain people. And wouldn't you know, after I implemented that, every single client that I had booked my 10-hour package last year changed from having engagement photos to welcome dinner coverage. I literally kid you not, in 2022, I did not do a single engagement session. And honestly, I call that a win. Many of you are like, well, you know, how is that helpful? Honestly, it showed me that where the need and demand actually was for my customers that year was entirely different than what I was offering. I could have chose not to ask anything, But instead, I was able to ask something that moved the needle forward for everyone and allowed everyone to feel like they're getting exactly what they want. I'm not in the business of just offering something just to offer it because I want it. I want them to feel like they're getting everything. And I benefited in print sales. I benefited in my relationships with the family members before I even showed up. And there are ways, no matter what type of business that you have, that you can really apply that personal touch to make it feel just more aligned for them. Bottom line, whatever communication that you have with them, you need to be asking thoughtful questions. And if you find that you're really not getting these kind of opportunities to really hone in on these kind of like magical side moments of 
personalization. And if you find that you don't have stories that are similar to what I'm sharing, what that's telling me is that you're not asking enough questions and you're not asking the right questions. Because if you could come to every client interaction, whether it be through your questionnaires or through your inquiry form or through your phone conversations, personalization warrants that every customer from now on will be able to have aha moments and breakthroughs with you that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise if they went with someone else. Like I said, call that a win-win. Now, I wanted to talk about the book Never Lose a Customer Again because I had kind of sung its praises at the beginning of the episode and I wanted to talk about crafting an overall customer experience. So I shared a few of the things that I've been working on and I shared what I'm really centered on in improving my customer experience. But if you're crafting an overall experience, right, like you're crafting the entire email flow or you're trying to map out what the customer journey likes from the moment they book you to when the service is completed and done and rendered, there's several different phases that you need to keep in mind that is going to like kind of all encompass and create a really impactful customer journey. This is all broken down into eight phases of the customer experience. And ideally, by the end of this episode, you should start crafting what this looks like for your business. So the first stage is assess. And this is something that all of us do. This is when people are inquiring with you and they're reaching out. So you probably won't need to make a whole lot of changes to this section. The assess phase is the initial phase when the customer becomes aware of your brand. Maybe this is when they're like initially reaching out or maybe this is when they're like looking on your Instagram. The assess phase happens with everyone. The admit phase, the admit phase is phase number two where you are mid-conversation, initial inquiry, And they're talking you through the things that they want and they need. This is also like the period of time where you're able to like understand and address any hesitations that they might have, whether it be hiring you directly or hiring someone in your industry. Usually this happens on the phone or like on a Zoom call. Not every business owner does that, obviously, but like personally, this phase Again and again and again, I'll always say that you should respond to inquiries and invite them to get on the phone or to get on a Zoom call with them. I've had a few people mention how they send like pricing PDFs and they don't like really ever get to this phase and they don't ever get to like booking the call and they'll like send out a pricing inquiry or sorry, a pricing PDF. And the hope is that, you know, if they want to move forward with you, they'll tell you what price they want to go with and then the deal is is done is booked. But the problem is if you're the type of person that's sending these pricing guides, oftentimes you really never get to the admit phase. And you'll hear me talk about this again and again and again on sales episodes where I'm talking about like the importance of sales calls and everything like that. A lot of photographers especially are bypassing the admit phase because you never really actually hear what your customers care about because all you're doing is throwing a PDF in their face and saying, well, let me know if you want to work with me. How detached is that from your customers, right? Like how impersonal is that? So when you have them in phase two, the admit phase, this is getting them to really have a conversation with you, tell you the things that they really care about and give you the opportunity to reach them where they're at and support them and give them reassurance. This phase is really important and again is often missed. My hope is in 2024 that you guys can start implementing that. 
Phase three is the affirm phase. This is when the customer says, yes, I want a book. Let's do it. I've made the decision. And this is kind of a really great opportunity for you to, when they've said that they've made the decision, for you to not prove to them, but to show them that they made the right choice. Because I don't know about the last time that you invested in something that was thousands of dollars or like really expensive. It kind of felt scary for you. And it kind of felt like, oh my gosh, I hope this is going to be good. Like I'm excited, but like I'm also very nervous. This affirm phase is a really great opportunity to like kind of reiterate to them how much you're going to take care of them. And the best way of doing that is like, you know, after they sign the contract or like after they, you know, pay the initial invoice, this is you sending like a very lengthy text message or email, you know, saying, hey, you know, just wanted to let you know you're booked. I wanted to just give you an insight on what the next steps are and what's going to come for you, but also just remind you that those concerns that you shared with me in the admit phase is something that we are going to tackle together and you're not alone and we're going to make this experience amazing for you. That affirm phase is often overlooked when someone has an automation and they just say, yeah, you're booked. Great. And they're like, okay, great. Like I have this signed contract and like this, but it feels like a leap of faith hundred percent for your customers and that they're taking all of the risk. But by just simply sending like a really, really thoughtful, and I mean more thoughtful than probably what you're thinking, you really want to send a message that is just very like acknowledging of the fact that this is something that they're probably nervous about, they're probably excited about, they're probably feeling all the feelings. You want to really meet them where they're at and that is going to allow them to really have that established sense of trust earlier on with you. The next phase is the activate phase and this activate phase kind of looks different depending on what your business is. This activate phase is once they've made the purchase, once they've got the initial affirming like email, this is the phase of where you provide like a really smooth transition for them from being someone that paid to like being someone that's fully immersed and fully a part of whether it be your program or your services, you kind of taking the opportunity to make sure that they understand how everything works. In some cases, this just means an additional email, just reiterating the overall timeline of what the working experience is going to be like together. But in some cases, like let's just say you're a coach or let's just say you're a service provider that needs more like thoughtful touch points, this is a really great opportunity for you to double check that they know what it is that they purchased and that they fully understand. Because a lot of times, when especially if they don't get that affirming email, this is where they get totally lost and like, uh, what's next? I don't know if you've ever gotten an email like that. I'm guilty. I've gotten so many. And I, I used to do so poorly on the activate phase where I just like wouldn't say anything. And it wasn't because I was trying to be mean. I just didn't know what to say. This is just making sure that they understand what's going on. So whether that's a phone call, whether that's an email, whether that's a text message, the goal and objective of the activate phase is to just simply get the I understand and you fully know that they understand. So that is phase four, activate. The next phase is the acclimate phase. And this acclimate phase is kind of what happens in the middle. It's very much like not the beginning It's not when the service is delivered. It's kind of that in-between time where they've shown that they understand what's going to be happening and you've affirmed them 
that everything is going to be okay. But like the acclimate phase is usually when you send people additional resources or give them more context into certain aspects of the customer journey or the experience of working together. If you're like a wedding photographer, I've seen people use this acclimate phase to send helpful emails that's kind of like, let's talk more about lighting on your wedding day and help you make sure that your lighting is really good for your ceremony. Or here are five tips that I would incorporate to do this for your photos. And that acclimate phase is really just kind of additional thoughtful touch points that you think would be really helpful, not only for them to know, but that could also make your experience easier as well. And I'll give you an example. One of the things that we recently are incorporating into our customer flow is all about umbrellas on wedding days. Specifically, we live in Oregon. It is rainy as heck here in Oregon. And I get what feels like 3,000 emails asking me, what do I do when it rains? Or like, what do I do with the photos if it's raining, but I don't want to get my dress wet, but like, I still want to get photos outside. And the acclimate phase is a really great opportunity to take a lot of those like questions that you get a million questions on and create like a thoughtful touch point around it. So what I've done is I've taken all of those helpful things regarding umbrellas and like what umbrellas would be photogenic that I say again and again and again and again and again. And rather than telling them manually, I just have it automatically included during the time frame that I know they're most likely to ask that question. And so maybe for you, maybe it's different. Like maybe during the acclimate phase, you will, you know, if you're a graphic designer, maybe you have someone asking you what are the best ways of incorporating their colors within their social media posts. You could make a PDF that really hits on that and allows them to make sure that they're switching their branding as you're doing their branding, but make sure that their social media posts are still able to kind of like be up and firing, right? There's so many different examples of things that your customers ask you a million times about that could easily be woven into the acclimate phase and allow you to not only appear more thoughtful up front, but make less work for you overall. We like that. Bonus points if you are able to take that and turn that into a thoughtful affiliate touch point. You better believe that when I'm telling people about my umbrellas, I am throwing an affiliate link in there so I can get a little bit of a kickback for the umbrellas that they get. And that's how you can also make money with this experience, which is great too. They're going to want to buy whatever you recommend because they know that you've thought about this. They know you've done this a million times and they also really respect your opinion. It also is nice that you're giving them a direct place on where to get that so they don't have to find that on their own. I used to say, yeah, a clear umbrella is fine. And then they'd have to go do the work of finding the clear umbrella. Some of you that are like, well, I don't want them to feel pressured to buy you can write that in your email. You can be like, hey, you don't have to buy this. I'm not sending this so that you buy it. I'm sending this so you know exactly what to look for. If this happens to be something that you're down for, you of course can. And you can always be really transparent. If you do buy from this, I do get a little kickback from that and add that little transparency factor and that can just go a long way. The next phase is the accomplish phase. The accomplish phase is about helping your customer achieve the desired outcome. This is about showcasing how what you did helped them achieve success and how your guidance really allowed them to hit all of those milestones. Specifically, I've seen this done a couple of ways, but more often than not, this usually will occur in the form of a deliverable email. Like, let's just say you are a website designer and you're about to send off 
the final, you know, kind of Passover, like, hey, the design is completed, just wanted you to take a look at it. This accomplish phase is often really underdone because it's very much like, here you go. But there's never really anything surrounding that to help the customer understand how your hand in it made the experience better for them. And this isn't about like bragging or talking about how awesome you are. It's just simply helping them know that you really thought of them every step of the way and you wanted them to know that you cared. So for example, if you're a wedding photographer and you are sending off your wedding gallery, you could say, hey, here's the gallery. Hope you like it. Talk to you soon. Or you could say, hey, wanted to let you know this was a pleasure to serve you in this capacity. We had an amazing day. I ended up staying a couple extra hours because I knew how important it was to you to get those photos of the dancing at the end. And I I think we really hit it out of the park and helping you guys feel comfortable. I know that was something that you had mentioned being concerned about, and it seemed like we were really able to achieve that. It was really an honor to be able to help you achieve that milestone that I know you had talked to me so much about. So it's kind of almost like referencing all of those points that you listened on and that you like for sure cared enough to be attentive of. And sometimes that can get lost in the shuffle when you're just like, here you go, here it is. <laughs> I'm excited for you to have this. But like really rounding it out, showing that you are listening is not about you being douchey. This is just you, again, letting them know that you cared about the thing that they told you about in the first place. It kind of rounds out this whole eight touch points in a very important way. The next phase is the adopt phase. This one is kind of going to look different depending on what industry that you're in, but it's where you're able to like encourage your customers to integrate your service into their daily routine. This is about making sure that they consistently see the value in your offering and continue to use it like over a long-term period of time. And I see this, like, especially in the photography space, most manifest through encouraging people to get prints. But the, like, technical application of how most photographers try and include their customers in the adopt phase usually just flops at the end because it's like, hey, did you know you could get prints? Here you go. It's very, like, no pressure only if you want this kind of thing. And, of course, we never want, like, our customers to feel pressured. But, like, the adoption phase isn't just about creating another income opportunity for you. And it certainly isn't about just upselling them on something that they may or may not want. The adoption phase is about, like, reminding them that this doesn't have to end here. This can be a part of their continued experience. For example, let's just say you're a family photographer. You do not have to have that be a one-time service. And I see that again and again and again with photographers that do families where it's like they'll have maybe a one or two-time service with a family and then they'll never see them again. Assuming that that family lives there, why does that experience have to stop there and why can't it continue? I can see this very easily be applied having this adoption phase be really successful by simply shifting your offer in a way that allows you to continue the working relationship and allows them to work with you again and again and again. Many people who do like a one-time service website design or like wedding photography might struggle knowing how to apply the adopt phase because they're just like, well, it's just a one-time thing, right? You only get married once or you only have your website redone once. Not even realizing that like maybe you could see that same couple every year 
and do anniversary pictures or maybe have them do family photos with you after. The adopt phase often is just un- oftentimes gets underutilized and it's often underappreciated and it feels gross for many people because they're like, well, I don't want to be braggy and I don't want to force them to like do anything. I just want them to be happy. It's very hands-off. You guys are missing the point. When it comes to after working with them, if you assume that they never want to hear from you again, you are missing out because they had a great time with you. They love you. They had a great experience and they likely will want to continue working with you because you were so thoughtful and attentive to you. And if you just go no contact with them, it's going to be really awkward for them if they want to reach out to you again. They might not even know that you are willing to continue to work with them. So the adoption phase is where maybe after you send the final deliverable, you send an email maybe a few days later, what's next? I have a few customers that have been asking me, how can we continue the working relationship together? You know, I want you guys to be really satisfied with what you've got and I want you guys to have space, but just in case you were interested in knowing what's possible moving forward, you know, here are some things that we can do. And you kind of outline what your offerings are after you work together. And for some people, they just want to do the one-time service and that's fine, but you need to make sure that you're allowing your offer suite to be broad enough so that way the people that genuinely love working with you will have the opportunity to work with you again. And I made this mistake in a number of different ways. I missed hundreds of thousands of dollars by not creating an offer after my wedding photography. I had customers saying, do you do families? Do you do anniversary photos? And it was always awkward for them to ask me, but it was because I never really offered anything else. And they're like, well, I know we're going to need photos in the future. We already worked on the relationship. Why would we want to hire anyone else? Like that we already invested this much time into working with you. So make it easy for them. Let them know what's next and really make sure that you are thinking of the fact that they really liked working with you. Make it easy for them to continue and continue the working relationship. The last phase is the advocate phase. It's the final phase where you turn your happy customers into people that are advocates and you encourage them to share their positive experiences. This can be in the form of a testimonial. Some people like to do brand ambassador type things. You name it, the whole nine. The advocate phase is something that's a really interesting phase because I noticed that, especially if you're an artist, Even the act of asking for a testimonial just feels wildly fish out of water and feels weirdly self-indulgent in a way to where they're like, uh, like, I don't, I want a review. I want to know that they liked working with me. It feels weird kind of asking for it. I don't know how to ask. And then when I do ask, no one ever responds to me or like maybe hardly anyone responds to me. It's an awkward phase. And if you find that it's an awkward phase for you, then you have to know that you are severely underutilizing this phase when it could really be serving both you and them. This can look different depending on what type of business that you have, especially if you're like a one-off business or like if you continuously serve people like on a capacity, like if you're, let's say you're a family photographer and you do recurring families every single year. This this phase will look different, but the advocate phase needs to be more than just about asking for a review and calling it a day or you asking for a review and you never hearing back from them. This is about you facilitating a dialogue in a way that you maybe haven't thought of before. This is about reopening the conversation again. And we kind of feel weird about 
starting conversations because it's like, well, it's about me. Let's talk about me. Do you want to talk about me? I get uncomfortable just thinking about that. But what I want to remind you of is we're reopening the conversation in a way that allows you to get a clearer context of your business and make it better for the future and continuously win people again and again and again. So what this conversation looks like in technical application is instead of just asking for a review and just saying like, hey, how did we do? Let me know. And then you never hearing back from them. You send them a personal email, very personalized, like, hey, would you mind if I asked you a few questions about the experience that we had working together? And it takes it from them feeling pressured to summarize their entire experience working with you into a very like no pressure environment of like, yeah, I'd be willing to talk with you for a few minutes for sure. What's up? So that's how I want you to bring up the reviews stuff. I want you to really approach it from like, hey, you know, I wanted to just reach out. Do you have time for me to ask a few questions to you? Would it be okay if we did this over the phone or can I ask you here? And they'll tell you, you know, let's do it over the phone or let's, let's keep it here. And you thoughtfully asking questions about their experience. What about my, what about the experience most resonated with you? What did you enjoy the most about our time together? Was there anything that surprised you when we worked together? Is there anything that you would change about the experience that you had with us start to finish? Asking specific questions about certain aspects of your business and giving them the floor to talk about what resonated with you, with them and what didn't resonate with them is going to not only serve you in the bigger picture longer, but it's going to also give you the opportunity at the end of saying, you know what, I really appreciate you answering these questions. I wanted to do something nice because you really like went out of your way to take the time to answer those questions. And that's when you really package that like sweet offer for them. So just in case there was any confusion on this, the adopt phase and the advocate phase can be done at the same time. They can be one and the same, especially if you kind of ask them some questions, they give you feedback and you're like, great, I really honestly loved working with you. I am just really excited to be able to apply this feedback in hopes that it like helps us attract more customers like you because you took the time to help me out. Like I wanted to offer you this. Is this something that you'd be open to? Worst case scenario, they say no, but best case scenario, you have a customer for life or at least a customer for another couple months. Either way, that's contributing more to your bottom line at the end of the day um, than anything else. So I'm hoping that in seeing these touch points, you can see why I loved the book so much. This book like really well-rounded for me that there's, there's specific phases for everything. It's not like I'm just throwing random emails out there in hopes that they have the best experience possible. There's a certain objective that we're trying to achieve within every aspect of the customer experience. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking to affirm. We're looking to activate. We're looking to acclimate. We're looking to accomplish. We're looking to adopt. We're looking to create advocates for our business. When you do that, you will never have to worry about losing a customer or having a customer go away. It just continues to allow you to push the needle forward. So this all kind of leads me to my next question because I can talk about customer care. I can talk about customer experience. I can talk about the ways that you can really elevate and kind of push the needle forward with your customer care. Is this a topic that you want to hear about? And is this a topic that you like? 
If you do, and if you're constantly looking for ways to make your customer experience better, I want to hear from you. I want to know if this is something you'd like to see more of on the podcast. There are so many golden points in that book that I could probably create easily eight episodes out of this book alone. And if you're a big reader, I highly recommend you get the book, Never Lose a Customer Again. But if this is something that you are just really interested in kind of going over together, let me know, send me a DM on Instagram and tell me if you really appreciated this episode because I know I loved talking about it. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day and until next time, have a good one.